0: Hello, and welcome to The Katie Helper Show. I'm bringing you a little bit of a breaking news, uh, exclusive interview with Nomiki Kontz, who is running for public advocate. And like so many progressives running for office, Nomiki has been the uh, on the receiving end of a smear. Politico went after her in a really bad hit piece. When I say a bad hit piece, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, like some politicians whom I support, have been the subjects of hit pieces that were at least kind of like persuasive or they made a coherent argument. This one really doesn't. It's in Politico, and Politico is pretty notorious for its hit pieces and, and smears against Bernie Sanders and being very unreliable and getting things wrong. So Nomi is in good company. Nomiki Kant is in good company. And I wanted to, you know, correct the record on this and give Nomiki a chance to respond. So, I interviewed Nomiki and she talks about why she's running for public advocate. And also, she does some responding to the piece. Um, yeah, it's just really badly written, but uh, it's, of course, getting picked up. And we've seen these types of attacks on people like Julia Salazar, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and Bernie Sanders. Here are just a few of the things that the Politico piece gets wrong. First of all, it somehow manages to leave out that Nomiki Kantz was a surrogate for Bernie Sanders and traveled all around the country for him. That's a pretty hard thing to miss, but Politico didn't seem to think it was important to uh, include that. So Dana Rubenstein and Laura... Namias, who wrote this piece, which is, it's called Who is Nomiki Kans?" It's so obviously an attempt to smear her. And so, yeah, I just would love to offer you guys, if you're looking for, like, maybe you could hire some interns or just, like, get a better staff or a fact-checker because you left out something pretty important. Uh, like, any time that Nomiki Kanz has appeared on, um, on cable news, she's made a lot of appearances, and it almost always says that she's a Sander surrogate. So... Again, reading is fundamental. You may want to fact check. Another thing they got wrong is that they identified Josh Fox as being on the Democratic Unity Reform Commission and eh, not true. Was not not really sure how you missed that. It's pretty straightforward, just a basic fact checking thing. Um maybe I should write a piece called Who is Politico or who is Dana Rubinstein and who is Laura Namias because uh, I'm not sure how you get jobs as reporters when you get something that wrong and of course this is so meta and ironic because they are accusing Nomiki Const of getting the facts wrong they are getting the facts wrong in their attempt to do that so thanks for showing and not telling by the way guys you don't have to be a supporter of Nomiki Const to find these attacks problematic uh, they're just basics, hit pieces and smears. And again, you can actually go after someone's policies. And it's always interesting when people choose not to do that. By the way, here's a great test for you guys to do. Obviously, Bernie Sanders, St. Bernard, in my book, announced his run this week. You may see a lot of hate being hurled at him. And, uh, you know, if, if people come off as ageist or if they come off as being kind of full of vitriol and you call them out on that or even just raise it in a nice respectful way and they say oh no i i don't dislike Bernie sanders for his personality it's his policies here's a really fun game it's called what it's called ask the following question cool which policies of his don't you like or which policies that other potential nominees have that he does he oppose or which policies do you like that he opposes i guarantee you you will not hear a response you will hear either crickets a changing of subject or the person will reveal themselves as having bad politics which is actually the best i I just like it when people say that or like not understanding how politics works uh yeah and in terms of the process, as Nomiki explains to me, what the reporters did at Politico is that they emailed her a bunch of questions while she was preparing for a debate, and they gave her not a lot of time to respond, which explains why it was hard for her to respond to some of the questions. Also, we believe at, we believe in participatory democracy at the Katie Halper Show, so if you have any great examples of... Things that this political piece got wrong, or other political pieces got wrong, or political journalists, um, feel free to, to let us know. You can use the KT Help Show hashtag. That's letter K, letter T, H A L P S H O W. You can also tag me. Please do that, which my uh, Twitter handle is KT Helps. That's letter K, letter T, H A L P S. Another really annoying trend, I'm gonna start doing kind of media watchdog alerts, but um, a really annoying trend is the same people who are like, Bernie Sanders isn't even a Democrat. They like to point out that Bernie Sanders criticized Ronald Reagan as if that's a bad thing. And they like to retweet the Reagan battalion, very progressive, kind of fascist light supporters of Ronald Reagan so thank you for just outing yourselves and thank you for attempting to do um oppo that actually functions as um pro-sanders propaganda to anyone with a heart or a brain who understands history i mean If you, you do you, if you like genocide in Central America, you side with Elliot Abrams and keep emphasizing the fact that Sanders criticized Ronald Reagan. You may just want to lay off the Sanders isn't even a Democrat talking point because that kind of contradicts this one because you're a Reagan fan. Anyway, uh, thanks again for listening. Make sure you keep listening to the episode after I chat with Nomi because I provide some examples of... Politico's media biases that have been revealed in the past. Call, no, Mickey const thank you so much for talking to us. Um, Welcome back to the show. Hi. Um, (laughs) Listeners probably know you and remember how feisty you are. And tell us why you are running for public
1: advocate. I'm running for public advocate because, you know, New York City, where you live, Katie, has the worst income inequality in the country at the worst moment in history. Um, We have generated more wealth than anywhere on the planet. Wall Street exists In New York City, and yet our city council, our city agencies, um, you know, our 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 mayor, they're not governing to reflect the values of the city and the crisis that we um, that we're experiencing. Uh, You rarely hear our our lawmakers mention Wall Street, despite the fact that it's right here. Um, You rarely hear them taking on the real estate developer class, who has you know been deregulated in New York since the mid '70s, and who is affected you know, the rent control laws that we have in the city and uh, they've basically partnered with city council members in rezoning neighborhoods that have driven so many people out of their communities. Um, And at the end of the day, you know, you have a city council who is claiming to be progressive and they might be on 90% of the issues. But at the end of the day, it's that 10% that determines whether or not uh, we live in an affordable New York. And, um, you know, my my background, uh, as you know, (laughs) as progressives, On this show, no, is I have been a roaming reporter with the Young Turks. Um, I spent about two years there uh, for, you know, basically after Trump got elected, um, covering everything from protests on the ground to investigating the DNC and the Independent Democratic Conference in, in um, New York State that was holding up, you know, holding up uh, uh, New York State from progress. I was in Puerto Rico for several months last year um, on the ground after the storm investigating um, disaster capitalism. And then, um, you know, more recently, I think a lot of folks remember the work I did on the DNC unity reform Commission, in which we, you know, reformed the Democratic Party's uh, primary process, but also um, put in more transparency and accountability uh, when it comes to the DNC's finances. Okay.
2: This smells. This doesn't just smell to the public right now that the budget of the party was never put before. Forget about the budgetary committee for a second. Put before the people who have a fiduciary responsibility, whether it's Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, whether it's Donna Brazil when she was chair, when she was vice chair, or vice chair Ray Buckley, or Jim, Dr. Jim Zogby over here. That's over half the executive committee right there, had no idea where the money was going. We spent a billion dollars, lost the easiest presidential race you could possibly imagine With joint fundraising agreements, state parties weren't being funded. During the DNC chair's race, there were some state party chairs who said, I'm an acting executive director, and I have $3,000 cash on hand. How are you supposed to rebuild the party if you have no idea where that money was spent? And you know what? I did go through FEC filings, and it doesn't look good. It smells. We're talking about close to $700 to $800 million between the joint fundraising agreement and the DNC being spent on five consultants. Uh This is not a public outrage issue. The DNC chairs are upset. The officers are upset. And I don't know who's on the budget and finance committee. I did go to the meeting. It was 15 minutes long and there was a pie chart that was, that was put on screen. As a democratic party member of this commission, the number one issue I get asked out in the public by DNC members is what are you going to do about the budget? It is absolutely ridiculous that we are going to keep a status quo system. When it basically says we're going to continue to lose 1,200 seats, let me describe what losing 1,200 seats looks like, or the remaining seats we have. If you're in Ar- Trump, yes, but let's break that down a little bit. If you're in Arizona and you have an ectopic pr- pregnancy, pregnancy, you can't go to a Planned Parenthood clinic because it's gone because that state legislature is lost. So you have to drive over to New Mexico, and if you bleed to death on the way, you know whose fault that is. In my mind. That's a democratic party that wasn't funded, recruiting candidates, investing in in, in local parties. And that is our fault because we have put that money to the top five consultants. And part of that has to go to the conflicts of interests. This is outrageous. It's unethical. It's bad government. And frankly, it's, excuse me, corruption. So if we do want to look at this budget and finance committee, I advise, I'm sorry here, I advise that it be an elected budget and finance committee. We have very clear standards of oversight and that it is not just looking at past budgets but putting forth a budget for debate with the people who have a fiduciary responsibility in that room so that they can find out, is this an open bid contract? But I think what's key is that that committee has oversight and it is elected because right now these committees are stacked with whoever the chair decides is on the committee. We have a freak in the White House and state legislatures controlled by Republicans and poor state party chairs like Jane Klebb having to go out there and fundraise on her own because the Democratic Party isn't able to allocate money. all that money went to presidential races, but it was burned, lit on fire. And who suffers as a result of some consultants getting third, fourth, and fifth homes? the American people, people being rounded up by ICE. Let's keep this in perspective right now. We have a duty here, and it is not just a duty to our committee men and the status quo. It's a duty to the American people, to the Democratic Party members, to the DNC chairs, to the DNC members, the executive committee members, and the people who have a fiduciary responsibility.
1: And so that's, you know, those are the two things that I think differentiate me from the pack of of candidates, and there are a lot um, that are running. and. You know on top of that all we raised more money than anybody else in this race in the last filing period and we did it off of small dollar donations our average donation is much lower than everybody else's right um so i think they're 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 getting a little concerned and now that we're just a few days away from the election uh it's being you know the knives are out and um the falsehoods are spreading and and i'll get to that in a second but go ahead katie yeah um so what
0: and for listeners i mean i think a lot of people don't actually know what public advocates do and what Mm -hmm. the significance is so can you tell us what the role is and how kind of what concrete things they can do the public Mm -hmm. advocate
1: sure so the, the public advocate's office is second in line to the mayor um it is the watchdog of the city it is a position that is you know about 25 years old uh it is there to make sure that all city agencies city governments the city you know city council uh the mayor are all held accountable uh for for their work um it has investigative duties. Quite a bit of, of its duties are actually investigative. When you look at the charter, the majority of it, you know, is around um, investigations and, and, you know, being part of audit boards. And, and that's, you know, essentially what makes the city run. So when you have a um, NYCHA, which is a public housing that, um, you know, over 300,000 New Yorkers live in, uh, they're paying rent, they're working people, and they're dealing with a crisis that is so outrageous in terms of, of funding, uh, but also in accountability. I mean, NYCHA was having closed-door meetings, and that's against the law in New York. And in those meetings, they were, you know, covering up discrimination lawsuits. They were covering up the lead poisoning crisis that we still don't really know the accurate numbers on. So I think it's the public advocates role to catch these things before they come become a crisis or if they are a crisis, really come up with the solutions and demand accountability in a substantial way.
0: And how does your journalism background um, lend itself to this?
1: Yeah, um, well, I mean, I think I think a lot of what this job is is going to be about assessing data and following right. the money and, you know, demanding, um, records be, right. be, you know, kind of putting the pieces together. So you as a journalist, Katie knows very well, like you look at numbers, look at data, and you can kind of get a story of what's happening. I'll give right. Amazon as an example. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of folks in this race, um, have kind of been going with where the wind is blowing mm-hmm. on Amazon from day one, actually way before day one, I was against the Amazon deal, uh, Part of it is because, like, I actually understood the history of Amazon and how Amazon exploits its workers. Right. You know, Senator Bernie Sanders, of course, has been taking on Jeff Bezos to pay its, to pay Amazon a fair living wage, which he he accomplished. Right. Uh, but Amazon drove up homelessness in Seattle. is being sued uh, by other city councils for not for violating the terms of their agreements in the deals. Um, they don't believe, you know, in fair labor standards. But even more than that, before the deal was even. Uh, being negotiated the neighborhood which is very close to my neighborhood in queens um that amazon headquarters was proposed to go in was rezoned for these 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 like glass tower apartment complexes Mm, and those those apartments many of them were being sold to amazon employees Mm. and so what i see as public advocates this data is all available right you don't have to FOIA, you know, there is the data. Um, the New York city government has access to the set data. I think we should be made. We have open data in the city. I think it should be more accessible. Um, we should be able to, to understand conflicts of interest. So, okay, this rezoning happens. Um, the developers that were part, you know, that are going to benefit, did they, did they donate to the council member that was part of that rezoning process? That would be great to know. Um, understanding that this location might be a hub for Amazon. Well, we would have, got a sense of the patterns by the apartments being sold. So I think telling the story of the information that is there is really, really important. And then demanding um, accountability, you know, right. in response uh, is even more important. Right. So at the end of the day, this is, I've been very, very aggressive against the real estate developer class. And, and, um, you know, it, I, I think uh, what's what's that old line first they ignore you right yeah (laughs) what is it katie first they ignore ignore you you, then then they attack you and then you win
0: yeah exactly yeah well that sounds like like it's what's happening with you FOIA just so everyone knows is freedom of information act um and yeah i mean i think that you made a really good point which is that you can be good on on 90 of the issues but if it if you are not good on real estate that's something that has like such a disproportionate effect on people's lives Mm -hmm. um in new york city right and Talk about what you think you will uh, be able to achieve.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is this office I don't think is being used to its potential. Mm -hmm. Uh, We proposed decentralizing the office, which um, in non-wonky speak means we have a deputy public advocate in every city council district in New York City. Um, It's a space where all New Yorkers can go if they want to file complaints and they don't want to go through a bureaucratic process. It's where they, you know, people on the ground are, um a dep- deputized public advocate could be trained in investigations uh, to know where to look for problems. I mean, this is a city of 8 million people uh, with even more people coming in and out of work from other parts of, of the tri-state area. So, you know, having an an office that's more accessible, more connected to communities with deputized public advocates from those communities who understand those issues. And so if it does reach the point of a crisis, um, you know, you always know, you can always smell it at the ground level, right? Right. Like you always hear these stories like, well, if you've been paying attention early on and and we just don't want to get to that point. So I think um, that's number one. Number two, I'm going to be calling for the, the public advocates office to be removed from the succession of the mayor. It'll be hard, mm. we'll have to go through a charter change, but I think that's why we get into the situation where politicians who are being termed out are looking for a stepping stone for another office. Right. Um, you know, that's 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 the second thing. Um, and the third thing is, you know, we're really demanding higher wages in the city. So we're going to be pushing for a thirty dollar an hour minimum wage uh, for all municipal employees and for all businesses with over 75 employees in New York City. Uh, the first will be is e- easier, of course, because, you know, municipal workers, uh, city government has. Uh, should be respecting its workers, right. and when I hear that there are city government employees who don't live in the city because they can't afford to live here anymore, right. um, you know that's that's what the wages would be. Actually, it's under what the wages would be had it been, um, you know, uh, adjusted for inflation. So, right. so you know, those are three substantial things. Of course, this office can be more transformative, um, and and even more, um, you know, holding our elected officials more accountable, but. Uh, That's a start.
0: Tell us what just happened recently to you (laughs) um, with a very obvious hit piece. Anything you want to clear up about those, that? Um, The Politico story.
1: Politico uh, reached out to me with um, two dozen questions the day of the debate and said Mm. that they needed to be in um, that evening. Uh, I was on the debate stage. Actually, one of the authors of the piece was the moderator of the debate. Wow. And... Some of these questions were simple to answer and some were extremely complicated Mm -hmm. and require, and you know, where they're out, they were really, really detailed questions. Um, and I, we haven't issued a statement yet, but all I will say is that, um, the piece is full of inaccuracies. Mm -hmm. Um, the piece, you know, some of the inaccuracies are very easy to fact check. Like, did you live, work in Libya? Yes, I did. You could have called the organization and found the pictures. Um, and some of it is weaving together, you know, quotes out of context, uh, that are just you know again completely inaccurate right and And i think you know these publications have they should be held responsible um Mm -hmm. journalism you know maybe i'm not the kind of journalist that they like but i also feel that the kind of journalism that we did at tyt was connected to communities and to working people and what they're trying to paint me as uh you know just to, to, to wrap this up is um, you know, is is something that was pulled from an op from from an opposing candidate's uh, file. Right. And I that's not journalism.
0: And we see this. I mean, you the attacks on you are very comparable to the attacks that we saw on Bernie Sanders, the attacks that we're seeing now on Bernie Sanders, on uh, Ocasio-Cortez and on Julia Salazar. It's this kind of relentless um uh, questioning of of weird details and 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 the good thing is that it's such an overt hit piece It doesn't come off at all as kind of organic journalism. Why do you think they go after you and people uh, like like the people? I just mentioned
1: I Mean, I always say follow the money, right. So, um, you know There are different types of news organizations out there that have different business models and I really believe in nonprofit investigative reporting um, you know, I think that there are a lot of wonderful uh, publications out there that do their due diligence. And, um, you know, I think uh, there's, there's a lot to be reported on this race um, given the crisis that we're facing in New York. And I wish that Politico would spend their energy uh, investigating the real estate interests in New York city and the weight that they have on policies that are affecting working people's lives. Um, you know, Right. <laughs> I,
0: I, I, I mean, it's just pathetic. It's like everything, they go all over the place. It's just so irresponsible. You just got a great endorsement, which is being the victim of a, the survivor of, a, of an obvious hit piece. And again, remember, they tried to do this. <laughs> Julia Salazar, she won. Um, they tried to do this to AOC, mm-hmm. she won. And so, uh, yeah, people are threatened. The, the wrong, when the when the wrong, when the, what is it? You're, you're being you're being smeared by the right people, which is an endorsement in itself. And
1: what about some of the endorsements
0: <laughs> that you got?
1: So, I mean, our endorsements are are fantastic. I mean, the first day that we, I think it was just maybe right after we announced, uh, Representative Ro Khanna, you know, endorsed me. Best. We didn't even ask him.
0: He, Literally one he, of the best he's, Congress he's members. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And now the chair of the Sanders yeah. campaign, um, which we're, you know, we're really, really excited about. Yeah. One of the, um, one of the co-chairs, yeah. a lot of folks. Yeah, exactly. Co-chairs. Uh, we have quite a few endorsements from people in the progressive community, like Roseanne Moro the former president and executive director, long time, of National Nurses United, um, the matriarch of the movement, as I right. call her. Uh, we have, you know, we have the support of our, our council member here who's leading on climate, probably one of the most progressive climate uh, elected officials in the country, Costa Constantinides. very proud of that. He came um, again. We didn't solicit. He just came. Wow. It was very very exciting. Uh, you know, we have more progressive groups like Millennials for Revolution. We have new Queens Democrats here in Queens. Uh, they fought the Crowley machine, took them on, and now right. Crowley is no longer the head of the Queens County machine. And of course, Joe Crowley was set to be speaker and was defeated by Alexandria right. Ocasio-Cortez. Right. Uh, so, you know, the people that have endorsed us, you know, endorsements don't, for progressives, I I don't believe in top-down leadership. So, so you know, endorsements matter in that um, it's important to talk about policies that reflect the endorsement. Right. But, you know, stacking together political endorsement. Right. Well, I'll name them because I think
0: them. listeners would like to okay. know that Rosario <laughs> Dawson and Susan Sarandon are two other ones, which is pretty exciting.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and,
0: and it shouldn't be yeah. underestimated that you I mean, the fact that I would say Ro Khanna is probably one of the top three most progressive members of Congress. He went after Amazon with Bernie Sanders I, I had him on the show to talk about that he is amazing on Yemen he's amazing on foreign policy and domestic issues and so that's really mm-hmm. exciting and I think you um, can see yourself as like part of that same movement of insurg- of kind of insurgent um, politicians who are taking on um, the machine and and uh, I mean I've, I've said this publicly like I I'm I know you. But if I didn't think you were qualified for the job, I would just not interview you (laughs) or not talk about you. But um, no, I think you are, I mean, you're you're like tailor made for this job because you're a a tenacious uh, nerdy watchdog person. And I want to also say that, you know, people will will push back on your proposals and say, oh, it's Mm -hmm. unrealistic. And and we've seen this with Sanders and we've seen this with Ocasio-Cortez. And what happens is people pretend that these issues are fringe and and not mainstream, but they're mainstream. They have mass support. They have the support of the base. Um, What happens is that the media elites and political elites don't like them. So they seem maybe fringe to them or they are fringe to them. You know, we heard this again and again. Everyone said, oh, Medicare for all, what a pipe dream. Now, what do we see? We see that it's politically toxic not to support Medicare for all. So I think that that's something to bear in mind when people push back on on
1: proposals that they say are unrealistic. Um, All right. Yeah. Um, Katie, thank you for everything, for what you do. um, This is is – incredible uh it's it's been an incredible ride but i'm very 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 um proud to be aligned with this movement to have been on the ground with you guys for several years now um you know politics has changed a lot in the last decade and it's just really exciting to see the direction that that we as a as a country are hopefully going in
0: (laughs) yeah and any last words for listeners um vote
1: on, <laughs> on yeah. Tuesday yeah. for Nomiki Const uh, we are not taking real estate developer money and we're taking them on yeah. and I think at the end of the day you should ask yourself who's willing to take on the most powerful interests in the city and who's not taking money from them and we are the only candidates right now that are doing that right so, the only candidate the only right uh, the only campaign I should say yeah the, the only
0: yeah the only campaign who's doing that uh, out of a out of a packed 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 sea of, of candidates so you stand out on that too well thank you so much Nomiki Const and um, where can people find Find out more about you.
1: Uh, nomikikonst dot com. Uh, I also am pretty active on Twitter and Instagram. And oh, if you want to volunteer, we are doing a GoTV effort all weekend, like crazy. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just really excited to 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 win in this final stretch. We've got a great movement on the ground. Yeah. Um. You know, more small dollar contributions uh, than ev- almost everybody. I think only one person is above us right now. Uh, we hit matching funds and we've, you know, every single step of the way, just to, just, just to finalize, they said we couldn't get on the ballot. We got on the ballot. No, we got no. over 10,000 signatures in in a week. They yeah. said we couldn't get on the first debate stage. We got on the first debate stage and won.
2: Right. They said
1: that we couldn't hit matching funds. We did it and we raised more money than anybody else in the last filing. They said that we couldn't get on the second debate stage, we got on the second debate stage, and they were threatened to t- turn off our mic when we started to challenge the real estate industry.
2: It's not enough to be progressive on 90% of the issues. It's that 10% of the issues that determines whether somebody has been illegally evicted from the neighborhood that they grew up in. It determines whether or not a council member sides with rezoning their neighborhood. It determines whether or not these oligarchs who are buying up our apartments around the city are paying taxes or not. Why is it we're able to give them tax breaks, but we don't have the money to build affordable housing? We are in crisis. We need to take this seriously. And as public advocate, I am not only not taking any form of developer money, whether through loopholes or not, but I am taking them on directly, investigating them, and I'm investigating city agencies, or like the MTA, where we have a real estate developer sitting on the MTA, or NYCHA that's having closed-door meetings because they're owned by developers. We have to start Understanding that these two work hand in hand. The developers in the city are making our city inequitable and they're driving out all, all from middle class, higher middle class to low income in this city, making it completely unaffordable.
1: Right. So that's what we're facing, guys. We've got to do this. We've got to take it home. And I just I really appreciate everything that you guys do. Yeah. So, and you are you. I'm
0: going to call you the Bernadette Sanders of the movement you <laughs> are, uh, <laughs> because you were because the way you're organizing. Also, you were Bernie surrogate, which is an important thing to note. I was. So you travel around the country. Oh,
1: that that wasn't mentioned either. How funny. Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: wait. Hold on. Wait a second. Let's just pause and take this in. I know you're in a rush. It's crunch time. But I just want to take a moment to say that the probably the most visible thing about you lately um, or among the the most visible things is the fact that you are a surrogate for Bernie Sanders. How interesting that Politico didn't mention Mm -hmm. that. What what what's wrong? I mean, what what kind of uh, due diligence are they doing when they don't? Like you literally Google you and that would come up. Mm -hmm. I wonder why. And they also have a lot of hit pieces on Bernie Sanders. So you're in good company. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much, Nomi. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Here are just some of the gems of media bias that we've seen on display from Politico. And these are from FAIR, which is a great website. Why Democrats should beware Sanders' socialism, Bernie's army in disarray, another hit piece that wasn't actually supported by facts, that was by usual suspect, repeat offender Edward Isaac Dovere. Then we have the oft-repeated but factually incorrect claim that Sanders is not a powerful member of the senate and uh, Politico likes to repeat that big lie Uh, I would point people to Yemen and all the things that have earned him the nickname the amendment king here are some other pieces oh this this was a great month for Politico August Uh, Bernie and his army are losing 2018 down goes socialism why medicare for all is playing poorly in democratic primaries As Adam Johnson, who you can hear on our latest bonus episode of the Katie Halper Show, points out, Politico was one of the outlets that scolded Sanders over deficits, but was silent on the $700 billion Pentagon handout. Politico was also one of the outlets that went after Sanders for not knowing about how to break up the banks, but then they walked back that criticism Uh, and acknowledge that he actually does know more about breaking up the banks than his critics give him credit for. And what makes that kind of uh, meta and epic is that they are those critics. So that was kind of like a moment of truth. So it's interesting. Politico also did in a moment of truth and awareness uh, admit that one of the major donors to the Clinton Foundation was Politico owner Robert Albrighton. So that's an interesting thing to donate to. Politico also declared that the Democratic Party's left wing was dead in the water. And these are just uh, some things I found within the last couple minutes just by looking on FAIR Media Watch's website. They're a great website that you can follow on Twitter, they're FAIR Media Watch, and online, they're FAIR.org. Thank you so much for listening to The Katie Helper Show. You can hear The Katie Helper Show on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Please rate and review us on iTunes. And please support the show on Patreon. And to do that, just go to patreon.com slash The Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash The Katie Helper Show. You don't just get to support the show, but you get bonus interviews and extended interviews. And also, it's a way to support the other work I do, like the writing I do, and you may have seen me do some recent media. I went on Fox News and I defended Ilan Omar. I also went on I-24 and uh, criticized the Bernie bro smear. And uh, you'll definitely wanna hear some great bonus episodes. I spoke to Adam Johnson about the media bias. It was on display during the Ilhan Omar fake controversy. And one of the things that Adam points out is that all of the listen-to-black women people were a no-show during this controversy. Not sure where they went when Ilhan Omar spoke truth to power. The Katie Helper Show is edited by Ted Reedy. Our theme song is by the band Cordoba.